Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. Our purpose is to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're working our way through 1 Timothy in our current series, Behave Yourself. Now let's jump in and hear what Kurt has to say. And welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. We're right about in the middle of 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you want to find your place there. And we are talking about the importance of godly living, the importance of allowing the Holy Spirit of God to use His Word to help us to be more like Jesus Christ. It's a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptation. The Bible says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. We go through the things that we go through because we understand and value this process by which God makes us like Christ and makes us godly. Therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. So, John, when we keep our focus right and our faith is in the God that is completing in us the work of salvation, that really helps us to have context for our labor and context for our suffering. And again, this is a topic we find Paul mentions time and again in his, in his epistles that having the right focus in life. And you know, pastors, as I do, it is so easy to get the wrong focus, to get off on what we're you know, looking at. I'm not, not necessarily things that are bad. I think in Proverbs 4, it talks about, you know, let your eyes look on, don't look to the right or the left. It's not even necessarily looking aside, maybe something that's bad. It may be something that we shouldn't be doing because it's not a priority right now, but stay focused on Jesus Christ and make living for him our motivation. And we make our motivation the living God and serving Jesus Christ, it'll help us keep on the right course and not get derailed by, you know, pleasures that may not be bad, but they can be, they become, can become bad because we put too much emphasis upon them and they take the place of Jesus Christ in our life. And so Paul says, yes, I suffer, I labor because I see the big picture. I see who God is and that he works in my life and I want to please him and follow him. Beware of false teachers. That's where the chapter began. Beware of false teachers. Make sure that you, Timothy, are foundationed in the faith. Preach the words of faith. Preach good doctrine. A good, good doctrine is going to center on the person of Jesus Christ. And the, the, Spirit's, the Spirit's goal to make you more like Jesus. And when you keep that in mind, that the, this life of living for Jesus is the, the life that matters then you can trust, trust in the living God who's at work in you. It gives context for your labor. It gives context for your suffering. The Bible says he is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe. You know, God has a plan for your life. And that plan for your life is your complete salvation. Not just your justification, your salvation from the penalty of sin, but your salvation day by day as you're saved from the power of sin, as you live in freedom for God, and one day ultimate salvation as you'll be saved from the very presence of sin and your body will be glorified. He is the Savior of all men, especially of them that believe. Now, John, I've always looked at this verse in this way. He's the Savior of all men. That's potential. The, the, the salvation that Jesus Christ offers is efficient for everybody. Jesus died for everybody. He died for the sins of the world. Uh, you know, Calvinism notwithstanding, 
The Bible is very clear about that. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So I think clearly Jesus died for all. He is the savior of all men in the sense that he is available. Salvation is efficient, or rather, um, yeah, sufficient for all, I think is the way I, I, I say it. Sufficient for all, but efficient for those that believe. I think I said that wrongly before. So it's sufficient. Salvation is sufficient for anybody, but it's efficient for those that believe. You know, Pastor, it's a great, great observation. It reminds me also what we find in, in Peter's epistles. Peter talks about how that God is not willing that any should perish. God loves the world. God loves people. You know, God loves all people groups. doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter where they live at. God loved all people. Uh, he didn't just love those who appeared to be better in life, so to speak. I mean, it's interesting, often the Gospels, the people that follow Jesus Christ are the publicans and sinners, the worst part of Jewish society the Pharisees would have thought. But God does love all people, and that's something that we always ought to remind ourselves of, that God loves all people, and applying this to my life practically, because that is who God is and what God does that is what I should be like in my life. I should have a love for all people. You know, if people, if, if Christians, if the world in general truly understood the heart of God for all people, it would get rid of racism in our world because mm. they would see people as God sees people. God does love all people. Jesus Christ died for all of the world. Paul does point out, you know, it is as you effective for those that believe, but God wants all people to come to him. The Bible says these things command and teach. That's how important that is. Not, not just teach, not just say, hey, folks, here's the information, but command and teach. This is essential. Uh, this is something that you must, it's a command to obey the gospel. It's a command to live a godly life. These are non-negotiables or ought to be. Now, verse number 12, a very famous verse, uh, a verse that many of you maybe memorized when you were a young person. Uh, Paul is trying to encourage Timothy when he says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So a couple things, John, that we, I want to talk about in this one verse. So let no man despise thy youth. So it was common in Bible days to look down on, to have a low view of a person that began teaching prematurely. It would be unthinkable for somebody to begin a ministry before age 30, uh, and a younger preacher would be one that didn't have the credentials or the ability to quote the proper genealogical records uh, to show his importance. And so Timothy by some of the religious crowd, was no doubt looked down on. But Paul's answer for Timothy was not, okay, Timothy, so go out there and tell them, you know what, I know as much as you do, and I have every right to preach. Don't go out there and argue with them. The best way for you to silence the despising is by your example. Timothy, live this kind of life. And we're going to talk about the kind of life he talks about here. And your life will be the best argument 
against their despising. As you talk about here what Paul's telling Timothy, Pastor, my mind goes back to our discussion of David. And some of our listeners were with us back in that time. I think when David in 1 Samuel 17 comes to the battlefield and people disdain him as a youth, you know, Saul looks down upon him. The way David changed everybody's perspective was by killing Goliath. When yeah. he killed Goliath, people were no longer saying the bad things about him they were before. Yeah, he, he answered the despising by his testimony. So what aspects of our testimony speak loudly? Well, watch what it says in verse number 12. Uh, but be thou an example of the believers in word. So not your words to them, not your words to the despisers, but don't let the despiser change your message. You know, you be an example in the way that you preach, in the way that you counsel, and the way that you interact with other people. Your words are a great window into your soul. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so let your words be always with grace, the apostle says in another place. And let your yea be yea and your nay nay. Tell the truth and be kind and speak with grace and speak with value and and teach the word of God with authority, that in itself is going to be a silencing factor. It sure is, Pastor. If a man is who's a young minister is just preaching the word of God faithfully and, you know, doing it with grace, as you mentioned, he can be a powerful uh, person God can use. I think sometimes think about despising youth. I've heard people say, well, how, how can that young guy preach against parenting? He has no kids at all. Well, the truth is, if he's preaching the Word of God, giving biblical principles, he still, because of the power of the Word of God, can speak about issues that he really has not experienced himself, but the Word of God teaches about it, and he can preach powerfully. He sure can. So be an example of the believers. Uh, Be somebody that people could say, you know, if I were to use words, I should use words like he uses words. Uh, That's a great example of how to use your words for the Lord. We all know that the tongue is our biggest problem. Uh, and I'm not saying that. The Bible does. Uh, the tongue is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, James taught us. And the tongue gets in trouble when the heart is not guarded. Uh, if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, that's where it begins. So, Timothy, make sure that your life is the kind of life that would spill forth the kind of words that would help you to be an example of what it means to be a believer in Jesus. You know, it is no wonder that Paul begins with this under the Holy Spirit's direction because the Bible says a lot about how we use our words. Uh, Proverbs talks about this many times. You referenced James 3 already. This is an important issue in life. And, and this is something that God wants us by His Spirit to have control of, to use our words aright, to let our words be a blessing to people, and always let our communicate our, our speech that we use to be speech that glorifies God and honors Him. And I think Paul starts here with Timothy because this was Timothy's job, to speak. So be an example in word, be an example in conversation. That means your manner of life. In the Old English, conversation was more than just what we would say conversation, speaking to other people but the way that you live uh, in word, in conversation, in charity, uh, in the way that you love. Uh, Charity literally means a love that gives. Timothy, let your life exemplify to other believers what it means to be selfless in giving of your resources, your time, your devotion for the benefit of others. 
this amazing pastor. We've all seen this happen. And you can have two different people who are saying the same thing, but the person who says it, who loves you, you receive it much better from them. And so loving people is a powerful force in the ministry. We find Jesus Christ loved people. We find that Paul loves people. And if Timothy is going to be the man of God, he ought to be. He's going to have to have, be a leader in charity because that is a mark of a man who's really walked with Jesus Christ. It's a great point, John, that you make. And that is that these six items that comprise one's example among the believers are not to be thought of separately. They're to be thought of symbiotically. They all go together. Be an example in word is a word that's going to be consistent with what the way a person lives, which is going to be consistent with what a person gives, right, in charity. So it all goes together. So in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit. In other words, your attitude, a small s here, your attitude, the, the way, it's one thing to say the right thing, uh, even for the right reason, but saying with the right tone, saying it with a good attitude, in spirit, in faith. You know, faith is that by which we are to live. It's the the active part of, you know, I believe the Bible, I believe in God, and my life ought to be an expression of what I say I believe. And then finally, in purity. So when Paul said, be an example in purity, remember, He's speaking to Timothy, who lives in a very licentious age. Uh, he lives in an age when uh, you know, sexual indiscretion and uh, sexual sin, as, as the, the, the stigma is, doesn't exist. It's expected, especially of a young single man. And here's a young single man, Timothy, one of the best ways for you to silence your critic is live for God. Say no to sin. Be a Joseph in a dark Egypt and let your life speak loudly of the faith that you claim to believe. And that's a great reminder for us today, Pastor. I think, as you mentioned, in, in this day in Rome, it was just a very immoral society. That was just, it was just commonplace. You know, for much of our history uh, in recent years, there has been, you know, back to this different 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, you would have found there would have been in society in general uh, a different standard of morality. People were still wicked at their heart, but they, they would talk about things differently. But now in our culture, People talk about things that are immoral, just like it's commonplace. Nothing. It's nothing at all. So people today also must be very careful what we do in purity. Yeah, th- these, these verses that we've talked about today, especially this last verse, is just so applicable to the latter days in which we live. Well, I, I do hope that helps. We're going to do the best we can next episode to finish out the chapter. Hope you'll join us for that. Looking forward to it. Have a great day today, my friends. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen. If everyday truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.